Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hi, fellow listeners, and welcome to episode 42 of Can I Pick Your Brain? Today, I'm honored to be picking the brain of Laura Roder. Laura is the founder of Meet Edgar, a social media scheduling tool that has helped thousands of people and is currently generating over $150,000 in monthly revenue. Now, Laura has been featured in too many places for me to mention in this short introduction, but I will say that she was asked by President Obama to speak at the White House, which I'm pretty sure trumps any other place I've mentioned before on this show. So, without further ado, I'm really excited to welcome Laura. Thank you, Laura, for letting me pick your brain. Thank you, Daniel. Very, very happy to be here. Right. Now, I'm really excited to meet your friend Edgar, but first, I want to get to know you. So, who are you and what was it like growing up? And also, would you consider yourself to have been a born entrepreneur? Yeah. So, I, who am I? I'm the, <laughs> the founder and CEO of Edgar. I am a mom. I have a one-and-a-half-year-old. Um, what was it like for me growing up? Well, I grew up in Austin, Texas, where I live now. I recently moved back here um, about six months ago to get the free babysitting that mm-hmm. Austin, Texas provides. Um, they provide you know, free I'm babysitting gonna, in Austin, Texas? If your parents live here. Oh, very funny. Okay. <laughs> for a second, I'm like, <laughs> I got four kids. Maybe we should move out to Austin, Texas. <laughs> your, your, par- your parents aren't offering it to everybody, though. No, no, no okay. not everyone. <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm not really a big believer in the idea of a of a born entrepreneur. I think that I've I've met so many entrepreneurs, and we have so many different you know skills and personality traits. And I think this idea of a born entrepreneur sometimes can be kind of discouraging to people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely something that I was interested in. Early on, I mean, I started being a full-time entrepreneur when I was 22, so it's definitely a journey I started early. Um, but no, when I was, you know, five years old, I, I certainly didn't know that that's what I wanted to do. Right. So how did you, I guess, what you said 22 is when you started. What were you doing before mm-hmm. that? I was a designer at an ad agency, and then I quit my job to go um, freelance full-time, and that evolved into the, the various businesses I've had in the, the 10 years since. Were you making good money when you were a designer? No. I mean, it was my first job out of college. So I was making like, I don't know, 30000 a year. Oh, wow. Okay, fine. And then so you went freelancing and that how did that go? Um, that, that went well. You know, my very first year I made as much money as I had made at my job, which I think, you know, was my big goal. It's often uh-huh. the big goal of people to make as much as they're making on salary. So I made 30000 the first year. The next year, I was able to double that and make about 60000 But after that, I realized the problems with a freelancer business model, which is I kind of realized I would, if I wanted to keep making more money, I would need to build an agency. You mm-hmm. know, I wasn't going to be able to double my income again the next year because I was already pretty booked up with projects. I wouldn't be able to do double the amount of projects. So in order to to make more money, I saw I would need to build an agency model and I really wasn't interested in that business model. Mm, Why not? 
Uh, you know, I didn't know as much then as I know now. Now I really don't like that model. <laughs> um, it's one of the most difficult models because you, every month you're having to match your overhead with your client needs. Mm -hmm. And it's really tricky, you know, hiring the exact amount of people that you'll need to serve the client. So yep. um, it, it's a, I mean, I really admire everyone who has agencies because I, I think it is one of the, the most difficult businesses just to work out financially. Um, at the time, I knew that design wasn't really my passion. You know, one of the reasons I had quit my job to work for myself is I was interested in the business side. As a designer, you just design all day which a lot of people love. But for me, I was interested in the marketing side. I was interested in the client side and building, I guess, kind of for going further down the design path. I kind of knew it wasn't right for me. Mm. Yeah, I really relate to you um, because I started my um, call center business uh, seven years ago. And I also, it was the same, I, I came up with the same you know, issue, which is that every month I've got to pay the receptionist, I've got to pay the overheads. And, uh, and, you know, what happens if you have a bad month, you know, right. whereas with, uh, with the model that you're talking about, which we'll get into in more detail is you can scale it quicker, yeah. um, much less risk. And uh, the potential for for earning a lot more money is is the sky's the limit pretty much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So so, so I guess talk us through the talk us through what happened after you, um, when you after you decided to stop freelancing. What was the next thing that happened? Yeah, so it evolved into social media consulting because I was making websites for small businesses in Chicago where I lived at the time. Pause and cough. Sorry. I was making websites for small businesses mm -hmm. in Chicago where I lived at the time and I would make a website and I would advise my client on how to get traffic to the site and what the copy should say and kind of how this was going to fit into their marketing plan. I just kind of didn't know any better. I was like, well, I'm making them a website. I better, you know, help them out with everything right. that has to do with the website. Um, but I came to find out a lot of designers don't do that. And I was right. really, what I was really doing was marketing consulting. And as social media started to become a thing in 2007, 2008, you know, Twitter came on the scene, people were interested in using it for their business. Mm -hmm. My clients would tell me, you know, people would pay you just to do the social media advising part. And I, I had been doing that for free. And I thought, well, that sounds like the easiest job ever. Right, right. <laughs> just, just talk to people about social media. Um, so I started doing social media consulting. That quickly evolved into social media training, information products for small business. And then in 2014, I launched uh, Meet Edgar, which is social media right. software. So I guess, um, who is Edgar and why should we meet him? Yes. So <laughs> Edgar is an octopus that manages your social media for you. Um, when we decided to name the software Edgar, it obviously lent itself to creating this persona. So we like to call Edgar he instead of it. We've created this whole mythology why, around why not, Edgar. Why not and I think she? It, it just sounds... Oh, go ahead. No, so I was going to say, why not she for all those women out there listening? Well, Edgar's, <laughs> Edgar's a male name, usually. Uh, Edgarette, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so you created an octopus called edgar that's cool what was the i guess what was the goal at the beginning with edgar i mean the goal at the beginning was we knew that this was software that that we really wanted to use so 
And it was software that was really based off a training program that we were doing. So Edgar is software that does what we were teaching people to do manually. Mm. Um, sort all their social media updates into categories and then cycle through them. All the things people were having to do manually, Edgar does for you. So we thought, okay, well, if people are you know, paying us just to learn this and they still have to do all the grunt work, they'll probably pay software to just do the grunt work for them. Right. So that was kind of the bet is that, you know, we knew we wanted to use it. We thought other people would want to use it too. We didn't know how popular it would be um, and how big it would get very quickly. How does it compare with something like, I mean, I know Hootsuite, for example. Was that around when you started Meet Edgar? Yeah, yeah. So Hootsuite was um, really the one of the first tools, um, and, and they've all kind of evolved. So when Hootsuite launched, the big innovation was that you could use a tool to post to multiple networks at once. Right. You could log into Hootsuite, you know, you could post to Twitter and Facebook at the same time. And then Buffer came out, and Buffer had this innovation where you could use a queue. So instead of having to schedule every single update, one yeah. by one, you could put them in your queue. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem with Buffer is that your queue runs out. You have to keep filling your queue you know, every day, every week, every month. Mm-hmm. So Edgar is the next innovation beyond Buffer, where instead of having to fill your queue over and over again, Edgar fills your queue for you. So with Edgar, we're really a fundamentally different tool. You build a categorized library of social media updates, and then Edgar fills your queue by pulling from that library. And when you go through all of your updates in one category, like all of your old blog posts, Edgar just goes right back to the top and starts pulling them again. So oh, wow, wow. Sounds like recycling. Social- mm-hmm. Repurposing content, essentially. Exactly, exactly. We post to social in perpetuity, your content all the blog posts and podcasts that you've worked so hard to create and then for most businesses just get lost after they're new, mm. Edgar makes makes sure that they're still going out over and over again. Couldn't Buffer, I mean, do the same thing? In other words, Buffer obviously wasn't doing that and you saw the gap in the market, which is mm-hmm. great, and then you launched Edgar. Were you not worried that someone like Buffer could turn around within, you know, a very short period of time and say oh hold on a second we could do this and just literally you know bake that into what they were doing yeah i mean that's the case for any software or any business really mm-hmm. you know any software is, is just code anyone who can code can create the same thing um we haven't had that happen so far just because the way that edgar operates is kind of a fundamentally different paradigm so with Buffer, you are not, you know, creating categories of your updates. So for them to repeat, you can't just say, you know, it, get, it gets complicated quickly. Right. Like the way you put updates in a Buffer now, you just put them in one by one. So you can't just say repeat because it's kind of like, well, how often? When? <laughs> right, right. Um, so you, you've got an algorithm it, basically that you've it, created. Exactly. Are you, are you like a techie? Is that because it sounded like you were more design, not so much technical? Right. So I'm not a developer. Um, you know, I used to know how to make websites, but my knowledge is a bit dated on that as right. well. Um, so no, I did not build the software. I don't know how to build software. Right. So what you did is is you basically found a developer who, who was able to develop this. You had the idea and said, okay, I need to get this developed. Exactly. In my case, I found my developer in my own house because I am married to him. Sorry, in your own house? You're married to him? Yes. This is such a great story. So your husband, <laughs> what happens? Okay, maybe I shouldn't say that. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say like, what happens if something happens between you guys? But I guess that's like in any case where, you know, people are married in business. But 
So that's really cool. So your husband is a developer and he's the one that developed the, uh, the algorithm for Edgar. Exactly. He built the initial version of the software. That's so cool. But it was your idea. Yeah, yeah, because it evolved out of, um, you know, the training I had done. And, and he's really the one who opened my eyes that this is something that could become software. Because not mm-hmm. being a developer, I think I kind of had this idea in the back of my mind, like, that it must be impossible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, exactly. Yeah, it seemed like such an obvious idea. I mean, especially just storing a library of your mm-hmm. updates. Um, it just seems so weird to me that the other tools don't, I mean, most of them still don't do it. It's like you put in the update once and then it's just gone forever. So it seemed like such an obvious idea. I figured there was a reason they didn't do it. And I was just sort of like complaining to my husband, Chris, about, you know, why do I have to copy and paste all the updates from my Mm -hmm. spreadsheet into the tool? And he was just kind of like, well, I could build a tool that does that. So I said, great, do it. It's amazing. You know what I love about that is that there's so many people listening to this that they, they have ideas all the time. And I, I feel like, you know, that little voice in your head says, nah, it's probably already been done. And if it hasn't been done, then there's obviously a reason why nobody's done it, right? Uh, did you mm-hmm. have those same thoughts? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, yeah, I just thought because because so many people that I talked to, with our clients were on the same page. Like they thought that the software was just so far from, from what they needed. And I knew there were all these companies, some of them with a lot of money. I mean, Hootsuite has raised, you know, tens of millions of dollars. So it's just like, why aren't they doing this? But now I have the perspective to see that everyone takes a different direction. You know, Hootsuite, it's not that they can't develop what we've developed or they haven't had the idea. They just have their point of view on, their software and you know a lot of people like their software better than ours like everyone gets to make something different did you have to raise money to to get started no no so we haven't raised any money it's something that i really considered um, because it's the type of business that you know you could raise money for Mm -hmm. um and i had those connections and and i would have been able to but i talked to so many people and everyone i talked to said i would never raise money if i didn't have to that was that was the advice I was given by all my friends who who have done so. And um, I had some money that, you know, I'd already been running businesses for years. So I had some money from the previous businesses to put into it. Um, my husband was working freelance, so he didn't have to, like, quit his job to do this. He was kind of in between projects anyway. So, um, you know, that's I didn't amazing. have to pay I, him for his time. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's really incredible that you managed to grow this without any any uh, funding because I, I hear so many people who are starting up their business they're like yeah I just need to get funding I just need to go meet with investors and I, I just don't get it I, re- I maybe I'm missing something here but clearly I mean this is this is a, a proof of a, a business model that's done very very well and you haven't got any funding from any investors in fact right. um, you started uh, Edgar what is it two years ago in 2014 Mm-hmm. And in your first year, you managed to get what was it, nearly three thousand paying users. Yeah, so we reached a million um, annual reoccurring revenue within like ten or eleven months. Um, wow, we're that's, now that, that's at, at three point two. That isn't you're at three point two million now mm-hmm. a year. How did you? Because uh, most people listening to this, where they want to start like uh, a subscribe subscription based business, what they do is like. You know, they'll offer a free version or their, or a free trial to attract customers, but they, they often find it's hard to get paid users. Mm-hmm. How did you get you? You were at, I mean, you. St- how did you? Let's let's break it down. I guess. How did you get your first one hundred paying clients? 
So first of all, I, I want to say we've never had a free plan. So that's something important to point out. I think a lot of people don't really think through matching up their business model with their strategy in that way. And especially if you're bootstrapped, um, you can't afford a free plan. <laughs> you know, free, you, we, the company still has to pay to support free users, both the infrastructure and the customer support costs. Um, and if you're bootstrapped, that, that's a huge burden that can be very difficult to handle. And also, we just weren't interested in free customers. We wanted, right. we wanted paying customers. Um, you know, so, so for us, like, part of the reason that we've grown so quickly is because it's, it's not really fair to compare us to a business that's totally starting from zero. You know, it's something that evolved out of the social media training business. So we mm-hmm. had already been building a list for five years for that business. You know, there was a small team on that business who was able to work on the software. So our first hundred customers came very easily from that uh, audience that we had already built for the other so business. You basically had a list a pre-existing list and all you did was you had uh, the product and you sent I'm assuming you probably just sent an email to the list and said hey by the way we've got this really cool product this is the price boom yeah 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 that- I mean you know probably trying to be a little more sophisticated right. and <laughs> more than one email but at the end of the day yes exactly wow well that's amazing do you, do you think that maybe the reason why most startup um, startups offer a free trial is out of fear do you think it's because they 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 kind of want to? I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I guess get into the minds of people who offer free, you know, free trials or or freebies. Is it because they're, they're too scared? They don't believe that people are going to pay for the product. And why would I people think, do it? I I think people do it because everyone else does it. I mean, I think it's just as simple as that. People look around. That's what a lot of software does: a free trial or you know, a free forever version. So people look around and see what's being done and they figure, well, that's what people do. That's what I should do. But then if that's the case, then weren't you scared that people, potential clients, potential customers would say, you know, they're so used to getting things for free. Why would I pay for something before I could try it? Like it, almost every, any other software I can think of, Dropbox or wh- whatever, you know, whatever it is, uh, there's a free version. And we've become used to, as a consumer, we've all become used to um, free things, at least to test it out. Were you not worried? Were you not worried that that would be a barrier to, to getting more clients? Well, the thing is, you you just you can see, right? Like if we if we launched without a free trial, if we couldn't get, if a hundred percent of people said, "I'm not signing up without seeing it free first, then mm-hmm. we would have done a free trial. You know what I mean? Right. So it's it's not like these are decisions that are that are lifelong decisions. Um, we decided not to do a free trial. We've experimented with a free trial before. We've tested it. Uh, but it just didn't convert as well for us. You know, our software, you have to set up. You have to spend an hour putting in a library of content, you know. So I think that's also part of the reason why free trial doesn't work as well for us. When you do a free trial of software, you're kind of in the mindset of, like, I'm going to poke around. I'm going to see what it looks like. But with Edgar, you you don't really get any value from poking around. It, it is a tool that, that you do have to put some time into setting up before it mm. can work for you. It's not like a, you know, maybe with Dropbox, you want to like store or share a file and you can do that in the first five minutes. And you're like, oh, cool. I, right. I got the value. I see how it works. You can't really get the value from Edgar until you've invested that initial setup time. So we do need some more investment from our customer. People in a trial are, are not really putting in that investment. So I think it makes it hard for them to see the value. Right. And I guess unless you've paid for something, you're not really going to put that much time into it. Whereas if you've paid for something, exactly. you're going to do that, right? How, how much yeah. does it is it it's fifty dollars a month right 
Yes, yes. And how long does it normally typically take uh, a person to get used to, you know, to get set up with it? Um, it it kind of. I would say, yeah. If you if you put in an hour, you can get a really good start of content going. There's there's things you can do to make it a lot easier. Like if you use our RSS import feature, mm-hmm. um, you know you can you can do that in five minutes and have a lot of your content loaded. But you probably are going to want to go through and you know write your own calls to action or modify the images or, or clean it up in some way. Um, so yeah, I would say you know start with an hour or two mm-hmm. to get a good. Uh, base of content loaded and then it's something that you're going to keep curating and adding to over time you know it's social media it's not it's not going to be a one-time thing that just goes out for two years you're going to keep adding your new content and what's cool about edgar is now you have a database that you can improve Mm. so you know usually the way people do social is like you think of something on the fly you send it out and you never see it again right what's cool with edgar is you have your library and you can see what's working and what's not or you can go back and make things better you know, a lot of the time you're in a hurry, so maybe you're just going to add your blog post and it just has the title and a link. Well, so maybe that's how it goes out the first time, but then you have some time later that week, you can go in, you can add a custom image, you can add, you know, pull the first paragraph that you're going to post to Facebook where you have mm. more text. And now the next time that it goes out, you're going to get more clicks, you're going to get more engagement. So, so let's take me as an example. I've got all my, my podcast episodes that I obviously put out on social media. And uh, it has occurred to me that it, it would be cool to like, you know, put out older episodes and, mm-hmm. you know, especially the more episodes I, I produce, um, I'd like to sort of, I guess, bring bring back the old ones. Um, but I guess one of the questions I have is, is it, could it get annoying to, to your audience, to people who follow you, where they start seeing your stuff over and over again? And- yeah, so that, that's everyone's concern. So what you have to realize is that you have a very different view of your social than your audience does because you see everything that you put out. Right. Um, so it, it sometimes feels like a lot to you, but the thing is your audience, 5% or less than your audience is seeing anything that you post. Really? Yeah. I mean, you see the numbers on Facebook, right? Do you use face- a Facebook I- page for your podcast? I basically post it to my profile on Facebook. That's where I get my most engagement. Right. So if you use a page, Facebook will show you right on the update your reach. And the average was like... I do get. I do have a page, but I really, it's like, it's it's doesn't do that much, to be honest. Right. So the average reach on Facebook page is maybe like 3 or 4%, something what like that. Group? Does groups get, groups get 100%, no? Uh, well, I mean, no. Nothing gets 100%. Um, oh, okay. You know, a hundred percent would mean that every user is logging in every day, reading every post. You know, that's, <laughs> right. that's just not the nature of social, and that's why these numbers are low on Twitter. Mm. You don't go to someone's Twitter profile and look at everything they've posted. You go to Twitter.com, you see what's in your feed for those five minutes that you're there. So, if the person posting hasn't posted in those five minutes, you're not going to see it. Mm. So, this way, you're you're basically ensuring that that more and more of your audience, and and does Edgar make sure that it's shown to people who didn't see it before no that's not possible right it's just right yeah it's not possible to target that way that would be that'd right. be really cool that'd be very cool um, ask your husband if he could do that that'd be <laughs> well, facebook could do that yeah so it's just a matter of making sure the thing is right so you have an old podcast episode that most people have not heard because you know even your listeners haven't listened to every single one the people that are new to you haven't mm-hmm. gone through your whole back catalog so if you have Edgar posting links to that regularly, you're going to drive a lot more traffic to your podcast because you're just giving that opportunity that people didn't have before. Hmm. 
And but what about this could be quite embarrassing. <laughs> like if I post something about, you know, happy new year or it's my anniversary, suddenly it comes out on like, you know, March the second, happy new year. What the hell are you talking about? Right. So you wouldn't put <laughs> so, I would not advise you put that type of content in. Oh, you I get it. So you, you basically choose what goes through Edgar and what doesn't. Edgar doesn't just grab everything you put up. Exactly, exactly. So what Edgar is really amazing for is your evergreen content, your content that is valuable you know, months later, years later, which if you look at what you post on social, most people, you know, depending on the topic of your business, but most of their content is evergreen, you know, their old blog posts, their old podcasts, if they do inspirational quotes or tips and tricks, or just, you know, links to other blog posts that they find interesting, all that stuff is still useful later. Yeah, you don't want to say, you know, good morning, happy September, and have that just go out, <laughs> right. you know, anytime, day or night in any month. And so right. you still want to put your live updates on top. It's just Edgar can handle making sure you don't have to do anything, you don't have to log in, you know that you have updates going out to your content every single day. Right. And, and just to get back to sort of, I guess, building the list, because I, I feel like this is what most of my listeners would, would really appreciate, is how did you practically get to 3,000 paying? Because again, when we hear 3,000, um, I mean, now, how many are you at now? You're at what? 5,500. 5,500. So that doesn't sound like a massive number, only because we're used to hearing about total subscribers, which most most uh, software companies, they have uh, so many people on, on the free version and, right. and right. a small percentage on the paid. So you hear something like, you know, tens of thousands. But actually, when you when you dig down deep, you realize that there's only, you know, a couple, you know, a certain percentage of that that's uh, that's actually paying. So five five and a half thousand paying uh, subscribers is amazing. How did you? You said that the, the first hundred was was easy because you had an existing email list. Which uh, mm. again, I mean, I get this all the time. Um, people on the show saying you've got to focus on building that email list. That's so crucial. Um, so first, I guess the first question would be, when did you start building that email list, and and um, how did you keep it? In other words, a lot of people build an email list, but then they kind of just don't keep up with it. They're not consistent. So the email list kind of dies or it just becomes cold. So you like send an email to someone they're like, who are you again? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I started, you know, the the social media business launched in 2009. So mm-hmm. I'd been building a list for it since then. So when Edgar launched, the list was about 75,000 people. And I sent out a weekly newsletter Every Wednesday, oh, seventy-five thousand people. Mm. How did you build it? You built a list of seventy-five thousand. I mean, that's that's a lot of subscribe. I mean, it's a lot of email subscribers. Yeah, I mean that was over five years, um, but okay. we've we've been able to do it more quickly now. But you know, I agree with you that consistency is so important. So I was saying, you know, we've sent out a weekly newsletter since January first, two thousand nine. Every week, we still do. Um, we have, you know, autoresponders, email marketing sequences set up. The, the, it's, I think a lot of people ignore the basics looking for something more exciting mm-hmm. or they, they, they like cook up this big, crazy, exciting plan and then it doesn't work <laughs> and they get burnt out and then they don't do anything for three right, months. Right. Um, I think that's very common as well. Like the marketing that we do for Edgar or that I did for LKR social media, the training business, mm-hmm. there was nothing groundbreaking, but we have always been very consistent and just making sure we're staying on top of the basics. So like with Edgar, we collect your email address. That's our call to action on the homepage, not yep. to sign up for the software. So we have a list of emails and then we send you messages trying to get you to sign up for Edgar. We say we have, you know, autoresponder sequences 
educating you about Edgar, linking to you to reviews. Occasionally we send offers, right? So like we really don't do anything that exciting, but we do the basics really well. I just want to recommend so that for, for those listening, if you want to get an idea of how to, um, I guess, build your email list and, and what kind of content to create, you know, literally go on to Ed, was it edgar.com, meetedgar.com, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not Edgar, it's meet, meetedgar.com and put in your email there. I know you've done this so many times and you're afraid of getting spammed, but you know, cancel all the other subscriptions you've got, right? Just go into <laughs> Edgar, put your email address in and see what, because Laura is obviously doing something that's that's working here, okay? So go in there and just literally copy, not word for word, obviously, but <laughs> see what she's writing, see what, see what they're writing and see the consistency and just, it's a no-brainer. Keep things simple, guys. Just literally okay. copy, you know, swipe and deploy and that's it. Um, so, you were saying that you 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 had the emails go out once a week, and then what happened? Then what would you what would you do after that? Um, sorry, what do you mean? No, sorry, I I because I interrupted you. You were on, sort of talking okay. about yeah, just kind of explaining the whole system. Yeah. yeah, um, you know, we also have blogged every week since two thousand nine, creating good quality blog content and then spreading the content around using social media. Obviously, we use Edgar, which helps us get a lot more traffic to our blog. Uh, Again, not doing anything super cutting edge, but we provide really high quality content that gets a lot of shares and gets a lot of uh, links. Every every single week, you know, people go to the blog, they find out about the software, they sign up for the list. So Mm -hmm. it's it's really just content marketing, creating good content, using that content to drive people to sign up for an email list, using that email list to market the software. That's what we do. Very cool. And by the way, what email provider do you use? We use Mailchimp. No, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'm so shocked. I'm so surprised. Wow, I, that's that's incredible. I, I was thinking like definitely Infusionsoft or Entreport or one of these, you know, cool where they do the tagging and all that stuff, right? You're using Mailchimp. I, yeah, and <laughs> you don't need to have really complicated sequences. Actually, I think that's another area where people get too complicated because I used Infusionsoft for my previous business, but, um, you know, there's a lot of hype around creating like all these targeted sequences and stuff. But what we do with Edgar, instead of having a bunch of targeted sequences, Mm -hmm. our philosophy for, for email marketing is everyone gets everything. So we don't have, because like we used to do, um, product updates and we had like a special list for product updates. It's like, if we're going to do a product update, send it out to the entire list because again people really underestimate it's just like social media you send these emails out you think everyone's reading them but the <laughs> problem is you not i mean you can see it from your open rates right like right. the max open rate is going to be maybe like 20 percent, something like that that means 80 percent of people have not even opened the email people who open the email they skim it they don't read it they don't click the links whatever right. you need to be contacting people like a lot more than you think and people get carried away doing these super specific sequences like if you're going to build out the sequence in a lot of cases you should be sending it to your whole list but but the, the question i have then is let's say you send out uh, a question of you know would you like to sign up to edgar or something like that, and then someone responds or they actually sign up and then you send a follow-up email saying oh by the way did you get our last message or oh did you know that but that, that's annoying to someone who's already signed up why are you sending me a, an email asking me to sign up when i've signed up already well, you can divide that just into customers or non-customers, and we do that. You know, we're not sending promotional messages to sign up to Edgar 
to our customers. But don't but you have to manually go in and, and remove them? Whereas in Infusionsoft, you can get tagging and stuff like that? No, you don't, you don't have to do it manually. So like we use, oh. in MailChimp, we use um, Zapier to automatically update our lists. Oh, that's cool. Okay, so it's, it's a, it's a third-party uh, tool called Zapier. Yeah, so Zapier is a tool that allows you to integrate um, lots of tools together. Right. So yep. Zapier isn't the one removing. Like Zapier is allowing MailChimp to talk to Stripe or Intercom um, that's storing that customer data. Oh, very cool. Okay, I see how it works. Uh, what, so that's amazing. So you're, you're using MailChimp for the email marketing. And, and what about social media? Are you using social media to get new clients as well signed up? Yeah, so the, the way that it you know, we think about social is the the main purpose of social is to share links that go back to our blog. The purpose mm. of social is not as like a direct sales channel for mm. Edgar, although it is also a great communication channel for customers and for prospects and people, you know, will ask you questions there and, and you want to mm -hmm. be ready to go. But the main purpose that social serves is um, a channel to share our links to our blog. Right. Right. And so basically you, you want the goal on the social is just to get me to go to your blog. And then obviously in your blog, you're talking about Edgar. And then from your right. blog, you've then, I, I guess, got a link to your to your uh, product, to the uh, service. Exactly, exactly. That's pretty cool. Because, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you as well is, is why do you think that most people are finding it hard to get business from social media platforms? Like I hear a lot of people going, oh, yeah, I've been on Twitter, I've tried LinkedIn, I've tried all these different social platforms, I'm not really getting more clients from them. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have to be clear, like I said, on what purpose it's serving. You're not going to close business from, from Twitter. You know, you it's it's much more indirect than that, where Twitter is not like every time you post a link on Twitter, there's an opportunity for someone to retweet it. And sometimes you end up getting a retweet from someone who has a really big audience. I mean, that's mm -hmm. why Edgar was created. That's why a tool like Edgar is so important, because it just creates all those opportunities for exposure. If you're posting your social manually, you're not going to get as many opportunities for that link to be passed around and that link to be shared. So I think it's important to think of social as a traffic driving mechanism and then it's up to you are you converting that traffic into a customer right right and are you using paid social media or is it just organic we use facebook ads as well facebook ads and are, are they effective for you yeah i mean it's, a, it's small like the the vast majority of our customers are coming from organic search which is also a part of social media and that's the other thing about social like the the way that you rank in search nowadays is not you know having the right like keywords in your title search is a lot more complicated than that and and social media is an important part of how google decides to rank you you know if google sees that your site is being shared on social that's an indicator that it's it's valuable um so also you have to keep in mind all these things like you can't you can't really track directly where people come from. You can see the last place they came from before they clicked on your site, but people have a very complicated journey to buy. I think a lot of marketers have this fantasy <laughs> of this super clear funnel, but really the way it happens is like someone's going to listen to this podcast, they're going to hear about Edgar, they're going to forget about it. Three months later, they're going to see an ad on Facebook. They're going to be like, oh, is that the thing from the podcast? They see another ad and then mm. they see someone share the blog and they're like, oh, it's the blog from that thing. And then they click on the blog and then they sign the email list. And then like a month later, they see the blog again and then they sign up. You know, like there's no tool that shows you exactly where they came from. It's right. very 
multifaceted journey. And that's how it happens for almost all customers. And that's how we buy almost everything now. There's a lot of research involved. There's a lot of back and forth. All right, guys, just listening. Don't waste your time. Don't go on there. Just just sign up already, you know, because you're going to do it. You're going to do it anyway in a couple of months. You're going to see an ad on Facebook. Just just save yourself some time. All right. Now, <laughs> uh, look, of all of the, like, the different social media platforms, though, that are out there and there's and there's more and more coming which ones do you think which ones would you say are the best for businesses to use because i like realistically you cannot be on all social media platforms it's just it's just ridiculous you're just literally uh spreading yourself too thin so which ones would you would you advise someone listening to this to focus on twitter and facebook are are still the biggest by far um mm. and the most useful for for a small business um you know, I love Twitter. I talk to a lot of businesses that, that love Twitter more than Facebook. I mean, just like you were saying, Facebook pages, it's really hard to drum up engagement on a Facebook page. Yep. Twitter, you can still talk to people and they still actually read your message. Like if you send an at reply to someone on Twitter, they're going to see it and they're going to read it, um, which there's there's really no equivalent to that on Facebook. Uh, you know, Instagram is getting a lot more users. It's, but obviously, it's it's a visual platform, which doesn't lend itself as well to every business, and um, they don't let you link. You know, you can't yeah. have a link in your update, which isn't really so great for business or, or for driving traffic. Yeah, I hate that. If the founder of Instagram is listening to this, please sort yourself out. All right, <laughs> get get us some get, let us link for crying out loud. So, but Twitter, Twitter, like there was a lot of news about Twitter, like basically. Mm. going like down it's just not 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 as effective anymore um is that true i mean their their growth has slowed down as far as like getting new users you know yeah. i don't know about the future of the platform but i do know that you can definitely still drive traffic from twitter i mean twitter does still have um a, a huge amount of activity and like i said twitter is is still the easiest place for i think getting traction in the beginning because yeah, you can actually talk to people and they'll actually read your message and mm. they'll actually see it. Can you can you actually tell from all of your clients, can you tell who is, um, what they're using, which platforms they're using and how how often they're posting? Or are you not, are you not able to see that? Um, from, from we could see it. I don't, I don't really have numbers to share with you off the top of my head though. Right, because that would be interesting. I mean, you sit there, you could see what five and a half thousand people are actually doing. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, but I can tell you what they're doing. They're posting five to ten times a day. On oh, Facebook, what? Twitter. Really? Wow, that that many times? I didn't. I I, I need to be posting more. I tell you, what? you need to post a lot more than you think. I mean, this is everyone's like afraid of bothering people. Um, yeah. But you really need to post a lot more than you think. Just like I said, if you think about how Twitter works, if you post something at nine by ten, it's gone. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it's it's a very short window that people log on to Twitter, and the more people they follow the less they see in that timeline. So like the odds of you hitting when they've logged on, you just need to post more to increase those odds. Right. Yeah. And also, by the way, another thing is um, time zones. So if I'm posting right. at you know nine o'clock here in Israel, um, you know, you, you guys in America are sleeping away. So yeah. with Edgar, I guess that would, that would uh, hopefully get all time zones. That's right, another, right. You can make advantage. sure you're covering Europe, you're covering America, wherever yeah. your audience is. Yeah, very cool. Now, here's one question I've been meaning to ask you. <laughs> President Obama asked you to speak at the White House, right, on entrepreneurship. 
Well, I would say that statement is a little misleading. It's not like I got a call from Obama. Hello, and- Laura. This is uh, President Obama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't happen that way. But yes, I did. I did speak at the White House about entrepreneurship while Obama was president. I think that's the most <laughs> accurate way to say it. Okay, fine. But how did that come about? And what, what was your reaction when you got the invite? Yeah, so that actually came about um, from an award I received. Um, there's this award called the Impact 100, and it's the top 100 entrepreneurs Actually, it used to be under 30, and then they upped it to 35. Um, okay, but then so it was think, under 30, so that's more impressive. <laughs> but yeah, then, then it was under 30. So um, as part of that award ceremony, um, they, they had the award ceremony at the White House because it, was along, it went along with this um, initiative that the White House was or is doing to encourage entrepreneurship. Uh, Obama has actually passed some interesting... Um, some interesting things like student loan forgiveness for entrepreneurs, which I think mm-hmm. is a really cool idea. And so, yeah, as part of being honored, um, they ask a few of the people who won the award to give a little talk about entrepreneurship. So, so I did. That's incredible. I mean, your parents must have been so proud, you know, my daughter's yeah, uh, speaking cool. at the White really House. Cool. Wow. Were you nervous though to speak? I was nervous. You know, it was different than I expected because we were in this, um, this like auditorium in the white house so mm-hmm. i kind of thought like we'd get a tour but like we didn't <laughs> we didn't get a tour we didn't get to see anything they just like it's all very high security as you can imagine so we just right. went through tons of security and then we went right into the auditorium and then like that was it like we didn't get to see anything else like so for all intents and purposes you could have been speaking like you know in uh, in the middle of nowhere i mean exactly, exactly. like i was just ushered into this room so but it the- was you know, I got to see that I was going into the White House, so That's I knew amazing. I was in the White House. Listen, it's great on your resume. I mean, not that you're going to need a resume, hopefully, ever, but it's, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's good, it's good, it to, it's good to have. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great for my show, so thank you. Um, <laughs> so just before we wrap up, I mean, this has been absolutely incredible. I mean, what would your advice be to someone listening to this right now who wants to build a subscription-based business? What would, what would be your advice to them? What should they start doing? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like you said earlier, like, see see what people are doing and, and give it a try. And like I said, I'm definitely not a believer in you have to do what everyone else does, right? Like, like not offering free trials. Mm-hmm. But I do think, especially if you're feeling kind of stuck or your business isn't growing and you're not sure why, um, I think people often, like, honestly give up a little too soon. They'll kind of be like, well, we've tried everything. It's like, well, have you sent, you know... Like maybe you need to send double the volume of emails that you were sending before. Have you called Mm. people on the phone? You know, a lot of people say they can't sell something, but they haven't actually made any sales calls, which that can be a great way to sell something. So, you know, get, look around and get ideas and then really ask yourself, have I executed this, you know, to the maximum that, that I can imagine before, before I've given up on it. You know, my favorite story on that topic is that I, I don't remember when this was, but it was in the days where there was like a gold rush and uh, uh, I don't even know where it was. I think it was in America. Um, but I, I read this in the book by Napoleon Hill called Think and Grow Rich. Did you read that book? I had. 
Yeah. So you, you're familiar with the story where you know a bunch of guys got together. They had they had obviously you know money to buy machinery, and they hired workers, and they were digging and digging to try and find this gold. That you know there were rumors that there was gold there, and uh, and and I don't know how long they spent, but at, at one point they just sort of said, no, there's 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 nothing here. In fact, actually they hit some gold, but then it ran out. The the gold line ran out, and they thought, oh, that's it. We've basically gotten everything we uh that, that there is to have and they just because they were so frustrated or because it was probably going to cost them more money to move the machinery they just kind of left the machinery there on site and they just went home and there was this guy um who was poor and you know he was homeless and he was just sort of hanging out over there or i, I think he was maybe even one of the workers there who just thought well you know they've given up but i'm not going to give up i might as well you know i've got nothing to lose and he started working the machinery, and lo and behold, I think it was, I don't even know how many feet, maybe even just 100 feet or 10, I don't know how many feet it was, uh, pretty short distance, and he struck all the gold, the gold uh. you know? And, and that just, it's, 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 it's the same thing in any business, you know? Again, like you said, it could be that, you don't know, it could be that next phone call mm -hmm. that gets you that first client that then builds a momentum, because ultimately what it comes down to is momentum, right? Like yeah. if you if you you make a hundred phone calls and everybody says no, so you're you're beat. You feel down in the dumps. But if let's say on call ninety nine someone signs up, you can go another hundred calls because mm -hmm. you've got that momentum. You know what I'm saying? So you yeah. never know. It could be that next phone call that gets you the momentum you need to make the next ten or twenty phone calls. Laura, what's Absolutely. the best way for my listeners to get in touch with you? Yeah, so you can find Edgar at meetedgar.com or meet Edgar on Twitter and Facebook. Um, I blog at lauraroder.com or you can find me on Twitter at LKR. Very cool. So those are going to be in the show notes. Any discounts for user, for, for listeners on the Edgar? No way. You know, I don't like to discount. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming, by the way. I knew it. If she doesn't do free, she's not going to do a freaking discount. <laughs> Laura, this has been incredibly inspiring. Thank you so much for letting me pick your brain. Thank you to all my fellow listeners. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.